Hey everyone, this is Hallie. And this is Adrian. And together we are the, the Bottle, Bottle Blondes. Blondes. This is the Unstuffy Wine Podcast for funny people. You can find us wherever you find your podcasts, such as Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Podbean, and more. Please download an episode and leave us a review. And you can also follow us on social media at our Instagram, at Bottle Blondes Wine. We'll have pictures of the wine we drink for the podcast and our other adventures in wine. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Bye. Bye. All right, we're on episode 16. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Welcome to Bottle Blondes, episode 16, y'all. Um, yeah, this is um, a very exciting uh, episode for us. It it's is. Uh, We're going to be talking about a place that we have both been, not together, but on separate occasions. Um, Adrian, you've been twice now? Twice, yeah, twice? that's correct. Uh, one time was only there for, I think, like a day maybe a day and a half and then the second time I got stuck there <laughs> very recently for a four to five day snowstorm which was quite exciting and I was there uh in fall beginning of uh October or whenever that time we were supposed to be in France was yep <laughs> beginning of October <laughs> for sure so 2020 uh what a time. What a time. It's over. I'm still having some remnants around it. But yes, uh, the place that we're talking about is Walla Walla, Washington. Yay! Walla Walla, Washington, you might say. What the fuck is that? Um, you might know it for its bountiful sweet onions. You might know it as one of the furthest places in eastern Washington before you hit Idaho. Oh! You may not know it at all. I mean... Wow. Wow. You had to, those are two facts I didn't know until you, well, until you mentioned the onion thing. And the I was onions, like, oh, yeah, yeah the, the, the Walla Walla onion rings from Burgerville. It's pretty funny because, like, if you drive out to Walla Walla and you're coming from Portland or someplace more western and you start to see, like, onions sometimes on the side of the road from, like, when they've flown off the trucks <laughs> or, like, onion skins kind of blowing about like a tumbleweed. Yeah. Cool. I didn't realize that was part of the landscape. <laughs> uh, yeah, Walla Walla is about the three-hour drive, three-and-a-half-hour drive from Portland. I think it's it's a, it's a convergence between, I think, a lot of larger cities. Like, I think you get to it from some big California cities in, like, four hours. Seattle's maybe four hours, maybe more. Um, so, yeah, it's a little kind of out-there wine destination. Uh, Walla Walla is the city, and then it's also the American Viticulture Area AVA, and it became an AVA in 1984. Great year. Great That's year. When Michael was born. <laughs> <laughs> the year after I was born. Uh, so it's actually split between Oregon and Washington. Uh, Two thirds of the AVA are in Washington, and then the other third is in Oregon. It's got kind of a fun range of elevations between 400 feet and 2,000 feet above sea level. Um, and it's got good variation in rainfall. This is a really great, it's a it's valley, valley area, which means it's also great for other farming uh, and viticulture, as Adrian just mentioned, onions. Onions, my <laughs> least favorite vegetable. <laughs> 
I just don't like them raw. Yeah, especially... honestly, cooked is totally fine. Like, I'm I'm beyond my picky phase, like many decades beyond my picky phase. But, like, give me a raw onion and you can walk out that door. Uh, I will even go, I will even get more specific and say, give me a raw red onion. Oh, God. No fucking thank you. No, absolutely not. God, get out. Get out. <laughs> but a shallot, I'll take shallots. Yeah. You can eat a shallot. raw shallot. Uh, anyway, back to Walla Walla. Back to Walla Walla. I'm sure we'll get to onions again. <laughs> we'll just do a separate onion podcast. Yes. <laughs> Weren't we going to do like a separate tree podcast yeah. at one point? <laughs> Guys, okay. we're going to be real busy. Um, so in the 1850s are when the first grapes were uh, planted there by Italian immigrants. Interesting. Uh, I don't know what those uh, varietals were, but I'm sure they were uh, probably, I'm guessing, Cabernet Sauvignon or... Hi. Saw something about what they were. I have to look it up. I, I don't actually know. That's okay. We'll come back to that. Uh, and then, of course, uh, prohibition happened, which just blew across the whole United States for everybody on multiple different levels. How we got organized crime, that's for another episode. <laughs> uh, and then in 1974, a guy named Gary Figgins of Leonetti Cellars began uh, planting grapes. And then he kind of grew that into a commercial winery by 1977. And then his wine started to win awards in 82. And then, so in 82, he won for his 1978 Cabernet Semillon. And then from there, you know, again, I think I mentioned in past episodes, with recognition comes an influx of other people. So then in 1998, we had 20 wineries. In 2002, up to 50 wineries. In 2003, Walla Walla Community College opened an institute for enology and viticulture. So now it's actually a destination for people to go and learn how to make wine. Um, kind of like, you know, right now, the only option before that was UC Davis in California. Right. And now we have this in Walla Walla. And then by 2010, there was 100 wineries. Whoa. And then in 2015, a new sub-AVA came out. That's right. Yeah, the Milton, uh, the Rocks District of Milton Free Water. And they could make it any less wordy. Exactly. They're like, <laughs> more words in this sub-AVA. <laughs> and then we uh, come to today, where they have approximately 120 wineries. That's a lot for, I mean, you know, like you said, it's it's quite a big area um but the actual town of walla walla itself is only like thirty thousand people it's super cute it's a cute college town too whitman college is located there apparently walla walla means many waters walla walla. that's the indigenous and walla walla is the indigenous name of the valley so that's very cool oh yeah cool it's, it's pretty dry out there thanks to, I mean, it's positioning Washington and most of Eastern Washington is pretty dry because of the rain shadow that, that is caused by um, the Cascade Mountains, which are closer to Seattle. And then the whole area, the whole Eastern area is quite dry, quite desert-like. And then also on the other side of Walla Walla, you've got the Blue Mountains. So they're kind of at the foot of the Blue Mountains. And uh, that's kind of where you get a lot of your like cold weather coming from settling into the town at night coming off of those mountains or your like giant freak snowstorms like I experienced um but within Walla or within Washington just to talk about Washington for a second kind of you know take a step back uh, so Washington's the second largest wine producer in uh, the United States in terms of states uh, first is California um, and it's also one of the few places in the US uh, Walla Walla specifically where vines grow on their own roots 
they're not grafted onto rootstock to prevent the invasion of phylloxera. However, that may be changing because apparently in 2019, growers started to find phylloxera in their vineyards um, following an infestation that had been wiped out about 20 years ago prior. So growers can take the option to slowly replant and combat and you know graft um, to prevent the, the phylloxera spread to the rest of the state or to wipe out vineyards, but the process could take years, very expensive. So there is actually quite a, a phylloxera problem currently going on right now out in Walla Walla. Same in Oregon, actually. Really? When I was wine tasting, I, had, I just assumed that this like uh, vineyard pest had been eradicated or wasn't in any vineyards, but... Yeah, I was uh, over at Shehalem, and they're like, yeah, phylloxera is like in the soil sometimes. And Damn. You just have to treat it as it comes out. I think it, it's not really a, you know, a plague of locusts yeah. or an outbreak as it was <laughs> kind of light. <laughs> yeah, how, how it was back in old olden times. Olden times. You know, back when Europe was super affected <laughs> by it. But yeah, it's it's still a problem that people deal with, and I didn't really realize that. Yeah. <clears throat> so. so yeah, so um, so Walla Walla is a. Like you said, it's an AVA, and it's within, it's a sub-AVA within the Columbia Valley, which is like the big AVA in Washington. How you des get designated as an AVA is you go to the government body, you're like, our soil here is very unique, our growing conditions are unique, we can only produce this kind of wine here um, in this specific area, and we can, you know, make it this AVA, and they're like, okay, cool. I'm sure it's way more complicated than that, but in terms of like conceptual understanding of what makes an AVA, that's kind of it. Um, so the the AVA essentially of uh, of Walla Walla is really specific to uh, a couple different soil types. Um, silt and loess are gonna. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Loess. Um, uh, I think I have a pronunciation here. It's just lo it's less. L u s s. Less. Okay. Because yeah. I feel like when people say it in like classes, they're like less. Or loose. Loose. Maybe that's how I pronounce it. Loose. Um, it's silt and, and loose, um, essentially, which is essentially just like windblown silt. I'm like, it's kind of the same thing from what I understand. Mm. Um, but anyways, so all of the, the silt and the loose, uh, which, you know, there's a couple different types within that, have all been deposited there by this giant geological event, which took place, oh my gosh, I actually didn't look up the year. 1,500 yeah. years ago. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, 15,000, sorry. 15,000 years My ago. Bad. Oh, I have 17,000. That's where it is. Um, so, yeah, roughly 15, 17, somewhere in that that um, time frame. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> just turn your clock back a little bit. Um, <laughs> by this unique geological event called the Missoula Floods. And if you're a Pacific Northwesterner and you like wine, you've heard this You've heard this talked about probably a million times, but it's oh, yeah. this crazy geological event where there was essentially this giant lake basically covering all of western montana um it was literally like 2,000 feet deep and this ice dam um, would continually form as part of the ice age and it broke at one point and essentially a giant wave swept over uh you know washington and oregon that was like over 400 feet tall and moving at 60 miles an hour. So it carved out the Columbia Valley and the Willamette Valley and deposited all of the silt and, and loess and like uh, carved essentially this 
cat or this valley into the basalt, which was left over from volcanic activity um, prior to that. So it was like a tidal wave. Basically, like a tidal wave of this two thousand foot deep lake. Frozen deep lake. Yeah, and it what didn't just happen once. It happened like continually over and over again over like five thousand years as like the ice age subsided. So, yeah. And it's it's cool Damn. because if you if you again if you drive out um, along the Columbia Valley along the Columbia River, you can see these giant columns of basalt on either side that look like literally like staffs kind of stuck into the sides of the rocks. Um, and so you can kind of see how this like giant valley has been carved out slowly over time. But like it's really like intense hard rock on either sides, um, and that's. A lot of what you're going to find in Walla Walla is also that broken basalt, which is very iron-rich um, and kind of contributes to a lot of the uh, red varietals which are grown in Walla Walla, which is basically mainly what they grow. Yeah, that's true. Very uh, heavy, heavy red air, heavy red growing area. Wow, that was a tongue twister. <laughs> that isn't really that hard of a tongue twister. Um, but we'll get into that in a little bit because we're still talking about soils. Soils. Um, what's another fun one? Oh, the cobblestone river gravels. Oh yeah, yeah. that's what I was gonna go back. So um, the cobblestones. So basically, the 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 floods deposited the silt and loess um, repeatedly over and over and over again. But the the Milton. The Rocks District of Milton Freewater is like specifically a site within Walla Walla where the Missoula floods deposited like a billion little cobblestones. And so that little tiny area is super unique soil. I don't actually know what the cobblestones are made of, but do you? Um, I don't. All I have is that it's at a lower elevation mm -hmm. than the, the soils at a lower elevation than the other ones. Um, and that obviously the things that we get with any kind of soil with large rocks is it's very well draining gotcha. and, yeah. you know, reflects, retains heat during the day and helps keep the vines mm -hmm. kind of a little toasty at night when the cool air comes in. Nice. That's all I have on that. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. But yeah, I don't. But yeah. Gobblestones. It just reminds me of, you know, feudal England. <laughs> I know, but let us go down to the rocks district of Milton Freewater. I shall hitch up my handsome with my steed and go for a jolly jaunt. <laughs> well, speaking of jolly jaunts, I don't know, actually, that doesn't transition well into the grapes, but nope, let's talk like about that, the grapes. I like that segue. <laughs> um, yeah, so 2,933 acres of planted vineyards. and That's not a lot. No, it's not. When you think it's about how ginormic uh, Washington is, it's yeah. like, I forgot what area it is. I think it's the fifth, sixth, no, third. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna keep of guessing. What? Of like land area, like the United States, like states by size. Oh, you know, yeah, like yeah, Alaska, yeah, yeah. Texas, and then I know like Oregon, and then I know like some of the four Oregon, corner Washington state. are pretty big. Yeah, New Mexico. Maybe New Mexico's fifth. I think you're right. That's New Mexico is fifth. Would have been taught to us in school. Yes. <laughs> like, here's one of the many facts about New Mexico. But Washington, I don't know. Um, He's and, big. Yeah. And the main grape is uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, mm -hmm. uh, 36%. Uh, Syrah, 18%. Merlot, 16%. Cab Franc, 7%. And uh, Malbec, 4%. And they're, they also grow 
some white. They have uh, Chardonnay. Mm -hmm. They have, um, you'll find a lot of uh, Viognier out there. Um, so the way that I think about it is, you know, there's a lot of, uh, like the varietals you just mentioned are all really um, classic Bordeaux varietals. And then there's also a lot of Rhone GSM blends. And when you grow Syrah, there's also uh, really good conditions for Viognier. Um, and sometimes they co-ferment and co and, and blend a little bit of Viognier into the Syrah. So you'll find that out there as well. Um, some Semillon, some Marsan and Roussan, um, and I guess even a little bit of Sauvignon Blanc, although that seem, it seems a little hot out there for that, but I do have a wine that we're gonna try in a bit that has 50% uh, Sauvignon Blanc. Dope. And Dope. then, yeah, the, that's uh, Sub-AVA, the Rocks District, of uh, Milton Freewater. <laughs> um, with the, ba ba oh, basalt cobblestones. That's what I have okay, written down. Okay, that makes sense They are then. basalt. Um, so same, so same uh, material as, as basically what you were talking about in those pillars in the gorge, just as cobblestones. Um, and that area mostly does a Syrah and Cab Sauv. 45 Syrah, sense. 24 Cab Sauv. Yeah, okay, that makes sense with, with the basalt, like I mentioned, being very iron rich, um, very good quality for anything that kind of takes on those meaty flavors <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, is, is so bizarrely meeting and then i said meeting <laughs> <laughs> fleetingly meeting with the oh. meat tree um and <laughs> but in addition to the milton free water so like when you go to walla walla what part is the milton free water in because they like as soon as you get into Walla Walla, they're like, oh, you can go out by the airport or the downtown or the east side. And I'm like, I don't have any directional clue where I am. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> How's it laid out? Honestly, um, so yeah, they, they do split up the town by these kind of like five main areas. Unfortunately, I don't, uh, I'm not going to say that like, this is just where like the wineries are located. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not necessarily the vineyards. Yeah, so the vineyards might be, you know, in a totally different area than these five towns. But this is where you will kind of decide where you want to go tasting. Mm -hmm. Uh, so they have the south side uh, and Oregon area. So there's still a little bit of, you can go down into the Oregon area. Oh, I've not been over there yet. Uh, so when I, yeah, when I went uh, tasting, I went to the south side and cool. I stopped by Pepper Bridge, North Star, Brook and Bull, and Caprio. Okay. Okay. So then I have been down there. I did go to Pepper yeah. Bridge. And then downtown is basically just all of the tasting rooms. There's it's a really great area to bop around and then be like, oh shit, I'm hungry. <laughs> 40, 40 tasting rooms. Four zero. Wow. I know. That's crazy. It's nuts. Uh, and then on the west side area, we have places like uh, La Colle, Rainier, uh, The Walls, Waterbrook. Uh, and then there's an old airport area. So like a lot of hip, new kind of up and coming like wineries, I feel like, are out by the airport area. Yeah, it's, a, it's actually meant to be like a, a startup area oh, cool. for like people that are just trying to get their wineries off the ground. It's I an incubator. It is. It's a little wine <laughs> incubator here. alert. It's very cute out there. I think right now there's only like five or six of them. I think they meant to have more out there, and I can't remember what stalled the project. Um, but yeah, they're old, war, uh, old World War II like mess halls and airport hangars cool. that have been turned into like tasting rooms and wineries. Um, and then... The last area is the east side, which I don't think I got to. And that's where, like, Leonetti is, that pioneer of Walla Walla that I talked about earlier. And I think, like, Tranche is another one up. Or Tranche. They probably make it sound French. Tranche. Tranche. Hello, would you like to come taste it? Tranche. 
They are so fancy too. They will probably be so insulted that we're pronouncing their wine. Is that the really fancy Spanish one that's like I I remember when oh, I, I think went that's out a there. Beja or a Oh yes, that's what it is. I definitely, if I was rich, would spend a lot of it's beautiful looking there, but like the rooms were like five hundred dollars a night. It's like, no thank you. <laughs> I remember I was looking at it on Google Maps and it was like surrounded by like Tesla charging stations. And I was like, okay, this, this adds up. Um, Checks out. Checks out. Um, Well, shall we go into the wines? We, we definitely should. Cool. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. We're going to start with, uh, with one of these uh, classic historic wineries. Um, I have a Lacole. Lumines, yeah, Lumines. Um, I don't know why I'm saying that weird. <laughs> anyway, because we haven't had any wine yet. I think that's, that's why. correct. That's our problem. Uh, so Lacole is a historic winery. It's one of Walla Walla's first uh, wineries, and it's also one of the first in Washington State uh, family-owned wineries. That is, and their building, if you speak any French, as you may glean, is in an old French, or sorry, in an old school building. So Lacole means the school it's so awesome it's such a cool old building mm-hmm. and it's uh next to a horse farm and the entire time i was there there was a little excited pony name oh. and my heart melted cute <laughs> so they were founded in 1983 just one year before another good year oh the, yes <laughs> the, the best year i uh, remembering <laughs> my birthday before me i was like yeah 1983 was good i guess <laughs> Uh, they were founded by founders uh, Baker and Jean Ferguson, who started the winery as a retirement project, but they were already quite well known in the wine industry by the time that happened. And um, their first 1983 Merlot won the only gold medal in the Pacific Northwest Enological Society competition. I don't know if it's competition or anyways. Um, so yeah, they kind of got accolades like right off the bat and their Merlot was the first uh, wine of theirs that I ever tried. It's stunning um they have really great stuff they primarily grow bordeaux varietals and blends they also have a killer shenan though which is made from old vines in the yakima valley but this specific wine uh lumines is a white bordeaux so it's 50 percent sauvignon blanc 50 percent semillon it is uh grown entirely with fruit from the walla walla valley uh, in their seven hills estate vineyard it's a 2019 I think the Seven Hills is an area where, like, a crap ton of wine is grown, and then it kind of gets sold off to different. That sounds places. about right. Yeah. I have a feeling that they sell a lot of their grapes to other people because they've been around for so long. And actually, one of the other wineries that we're going to try does that a lot as well. Um, so for this, let me pull up my notes. I mean, it's just a beautiful Bordeaux blend. It's um, it's mm. very. Uh, kind of like exotic floral smells. Um, it's not too ripe. Let's see, what did I get on this guy? I admire lemons and honeysuckle, banana, beeswax. On the palate, you've got some nice lemon, white peach, chamomile, and then like a nice like um, saline note at the end. I was like like a preserved lemon, like a really salty preserved yeah, lemon. Kind of smells a little bit like a banana cream pie and mm-hmm. like chamomile, like you were saying. And yeah, which is strange. I tend to not really get kind of tropical fruits mm-hmm. from a white Bordeaux blend. But this is, 
yeah, it's very well balanced. It's not too acidic. It's kind of got like a medium body on it, which is nice. Yeah, it's nice medium. It's like um, superfood friendly. It's golden, but it's not like too heavy. It's just very nice. They said that this specific vintage uh, had a little bit of a delayed bud break in Verizon. Um, due to some freezing weather and they, they harvested a little bit early but they said that there was like nice freshness and acidity that was maintained in the grapes and they, they picked these in the early morning something that was interesting is Lacole does entirely um, whole cluster uh, fermentation I think that's what they said I think oh pressing they press whole cluster they rack to oak barrels and do some lees aging, which you can get those like kind of salty, cheesy notes, and then they transfer to stainless steel. Um, so you get a little bit of oak, a little bit of lees aging, but like just such such a nice balance on both of those. I was finding that when I was there, a lot of the whites that I tasted had that kind of stemmy mm-hmm. uh, taste, and then I found out yeah, a lot of people really do um, leave the stems on for either the press or. The fermentation. I was like, I thought that you just didn't do that with white wines. I had no idea. Yeah, I guess if you want to give your uh, white wines a little bit more of a interesting flavor mm-hmm. profile, a little bit more of a kick, um, you know, maybe not all the stems, some stems. That's the thing with winemaking. You just kind of tinker to see works, what works best with your uh, grapes that year. Because if, you know, maybe yeah. if your grapes are too ripe and too, are going oh, yeah, to be too point. sweet, maybe you want to have some stems on there to kind of yeah. like add a little bit of bitterness to counteract how, you know, the sugar in your grapes. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a winemaker. We I'm just try either. to talk about it. <laughs> we just drink it. Yeah, and we just drink it. <laughs> yeah, I really like this. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just very easygoing, very nice. Yeah, and you can see, you can find uh, Le Col in a lot of stores mm-hmm. across, across the Portland metro area. Across Portland metro area. <laughs> I feel like I've seen it in, like, I mean, it's usually... You're not going to find their stuff like under $20, really. But I've seen this in grocery stores. Like, you can find Lacole pretty much everywhere. Yeah, they have some affordable price point yeah. wines. Um, I want to say like 15 might be their lowest mm-hmm. price point, And then it just kind of goes up from there. Yeah, that sounds right. This one was only 20 which I was like very impressed with the quality um, for that price point. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Let's go to our next <laughs> tranche. Tranche. Just kidding. Just kidding. We're we not do ter- not have a tranche wine. We do not have a tranche wine. Neither <laughs> of us have been there. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, next we're going to be talking about one of those uh, little winery startups that's actually at the airport, in the airport area. And it's called Smack. Smack. S-M-A-K. Smack me up and call me a biscuit. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know where I'm going. Hey, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> old timey Shane over there oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so this is a completely uh, female owned she's uh, her name is Fiona uh, Mac and this is a she owns it she's the head winemaker uh, and what I love about this uh, winery and her wines is that she is a exclusive rosé producer and her whole thing is um, she does rosé by the season so uh, she's got a rosé for spring which is made from Sangiovese. She's got a rosé for uh, summer, which is made from Pinot Gris. And then she's got a fall winter rosé uh, made with Syrah, which I gifted Adrian when yes, I came back. And I, oh my God, it was so good. <laughs> yeah, so that was the 2019 vintage. So um, these are the 2020 releases. Fine. So Fiona is 
originally from Hong Kong. She went to school in the U.S. and was like spent a lot of time in the hospitality restaurant industry. She became a certified SOM, and then she went and attended the Awalawal Enology School, and uh, and then 2013, and then in 2014 she interned at the at the infamous Opus One. Oh. <laughs> in Whoa. in Napa Valley. Wow. Um, so she travels to the French Riviera, uh, and that's like kind of one of her favorite vacation spots, apparently. You know, I'm talking, I'm talking about her like I know her. She is really awesome. Like well, I, have, I have I, spoken to her. But. I'm like the French, you know, just like French Riviera is just like one of my favorite vacation spots. I'm like, yeah, who's who wouldn't be their favorite vacation spot? Sounds oh, wonderful. So she sounds super cool. And honestly, I just loved her tasting room. She, it's, everything she does just is very like thoughtful. And I'm curated. actually a part of her wine club. And she sends, I got a Christmas card from her. Oh. Uh, you know, she sends like fun little. I got a, like a. She sent some ramen in the mail to do a live tasting with. What? Yeah. So she's she's super awesome. Uh, and her wines, sign me up. <laughs> her wines are super affordable, and they're fucking delicious. Yeah. And what I love about her wine club is that you can you get you just get it once a year. That's so nice. You get it once nice. a year, That's and you can nice. either get six bottles or twelve bottles. It's like so perfect. Um, so this is her. I thought we would do spring. Yay! Uh, since we are perfect. in that particular season, hey, I obviously got into this gonna one. Be one May. <laughs> it's gonna be May. It's gonna. It is May. It's May first, everyone. I know. May Yay. the force be with you. <laughs> perfect for a springtime wine. So what a this pretty is, peachy color. It is so pretty. This is a hundred percent Sangiovese from mm. the Mission Hill Vineyard. She does absolutely no skin contact. So any sort of color you're getting from this wine was just a, probably you know wow. light press. Yeah. On that uh, stainless steel fermentation with this one, uh, the winemaker's notes uh, were citrus, white peach, and green apple. Uh, and what I got on the nose was definitely some of that white peach, the green apple. But then I also got some Meyer lemon and fresh strawberry. Mm. And then on the palate, more of that green apple, more of a white raspberry. And the, here's a tasty note I don't use too often, aloe pulp. Oh. <laughs> okay. Right? And a little lime zest. Yeah, a little lime zest. I don't think I've had aloe juice in a really long time or, or pulp. I don't know if I've ever had aloe pulp. But it does have that nice, like, Green, but not leafy green quality. Mm-hmm. Her wines have such a silky texture in your mouth. It's kind of like, it's like an oily mouthfeel, but not really. I don't yeah. know. It's really hard to describe. Um, they're just, they're so great on their own or with food. This is so, so yummy. So yes, please, please support uh, support her and hopefully she can expand her rosé empire and... <laughs> And take over the world. Take over the world, you want to do it. <laughs> I'm all for it. Um, oh man, this is so nice. I know. I know. We can probably finish that bottle later. I like it. <laughs> Enjoy this with some nice shrimps. Mmm. I don't know. Do you like coconut shrimp? I know. I think that's a polarizing uh, food that not everyone's You know into. what? I do like coconut shrimp because. Because having grown up with a fish allergy, the first way I kind of got into any sort of tangential seafood uh, was through, like, fried stuff. So, like, I like coconut shrimp. I like popcorn shrimp. Mm. Coconut shrimp with this would be great. Right? Oh, man. I just, you know, coconut shrimp are such a, like, American 
chain restaurant menu. But sometimes they can be done so well. Yeah. I just wish like more fancy places, fancy like, places. like in, in Portland would like just serve me up a really fucking gourmet coconut shrimp. Smack me and give me a coconut shrimp. <laughs> I saw somebody uh, on Twitter the other day was like, I really want to make a restaurant called Shrimply Irresistible. Oh, fucking give that person some money. It's <laughs> like, please. Shrimply Irresistible. She's so fat. All the waitresses are dressed like, you know, that video. (laughs) And it's run by Jackie Daytona. Oh, Um. American bartender. (laughs) (laughs) I rewatched that episode recently. God, that was such a fucking good show. So good. Uh, Taika Waititi is an earthly treasure Mm -hmm. of of comic genius. Well, and what's his face? Jermaine. Jermaine Clement. Jermaine Clement. Yeah. All right, let's move on to something a little darker, oh, yes. shall we? I mean, we are, we just were talking about how this is such a red yeah. place, and we haven't had any red we yet. We haven't had any red yet, but I guess technically San Gervais is a red grape, so we can count that in. That um, is true. Oh, maybe that's what the Italian immigrants brought over. I was trying to look it up. So, I'm going to plug this, even though I have no association with it. Um, Wal- <laughs> <laughs> Wine Folly has... So one of the things that Wine Folly is trying to do, if, if you've ever encountered Wine Folly, it's really cool. Uh, like just guide, visual guide to wine. One thing they're trying to do is make these like very uh, comprehensive guides to locations for wine. So they, the first one that they launched was for Walla Walla and it has all of this historical information. I took a lot of what we're talking about today from it. Give them full credit. Um, beautifully designed websites you can go into the the vineyards the grapes the the history etc um but one thing wait what were we just talking about oh my gosh Oh, we were this? oh we were talking about how um, I mentioned that the first grapes were bought over by oh. Italian immigrants, and we didn't know what grape it was, and I speculated it was Cabernet Sauvignon, but then maybe moved my speculation to Sangiovese. Let's see, wine grapes were homesteaders. Wine cuttings were brought to the Yakima. I don't know why, just anything <laughs> nope. historical. Keep I go, it up. Yeah. Keep it up. Wine cuttings were brought to the Yakima Valley by homesteaders. It's thought the cuttings came from Fort Vancouver, which planted vines in 1824. The Wine Project. Washington State's winemaking history by Irvine, Ronald, Clore, Walter J. I read that in my best um, Ken Burns impression, but uh, it doesn't say what kind of, of wine. Well, that's going to have to be just another uh, side quest. Side quest. Oh, you <laughs> can Fine. get experience points for that. Anyways. Um, you get six wine glasses added to your lifespan. <laughs> But go check out the, the Walla Walla Wine Guide on Wine Folly. It's really cool to browse, browse around, and I know that there's going to be more coming um, that are going to be like that. Cool. Thanks, Mark. Oh, Madeline Puckett was in Walla Walla right after I left. And we Son stayed, of a bitch. We stayed at the same hotel as oh. me because I saw it in the background. I was like, motherfucker. I lose my mind. <laughs> be really uncool. Be like, ah, yeah. I don't know. She seems like she'd be cool. She seems. Oh, I would be uncool. <laughs> I would be uncool. Would be uncool she'd be like, Madeline? please get away from me. <laughs> Uh, all right. All right. Yours is probably light. I mean, these are a little bit lighter. That's what I was thinking. Big Papa grapes. Yeah. So let's talk about one of the the big dominant grapes out in Washington and specifically Walla Walla, which is Syrah. So 
like I said, Sarad is really well there. Um, it's it's nice because you can get different expressions of it depending on where, what soil it's grown in. Like the basalt is gonna bring out those super meaty iron forward notes. And then the silt sand loaves is gonna bring out more uh, red fruit, bright red fruit expressions. So you can get a lot of different types of Syrah out there and also depending on how um, the winemaker treats it. But I love Syrah, it's like one of the, one of the grapes that really got me into wine and this uh, wine that we're gonna taste, the Vapiano um, Bruno line. So Vapiano is the, is the winemaker. And this is a 2016 Syrah, it's technically from Washington State, however, Vapiano does, um, does exist and operate in Walla Walla. So let me pour, I'm like. <laughs> Just take one more sip, one more before, sip. You, okay. before you pour it out. <clears throat> Yes, I I was also at this. At, like we both been to Bob Piano. Mm -hmm. There was an adorable dog splooting in the grass. Oh, cute. Then oh, I didn't go out to. I just went to their downtown one. Oh, because I was there during the uh, <laughs> the epic snowpocalypse, and we did get to go to one like actual winery location that was open. Reiniger was open, but like. Nothing else, so. Everything else is tasting rooms. <laughs> Everything else is tasting rooms. Um, but the Vapiano tasting room downtown was, was perfectly lovely. And a lot of their wines are really expensive. They grow primarily Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, and Syrah. Um, and the, the Cabernet Sauvignon that I tasted, I was like, oh, I really want a bottle of that. They were like, that's $90. I was like, JK. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this specific Pacific Syrah. Um, yeah, you start talking, you went a little muppet on me. Dark for me. Um, like, really dark. Like, you cannot see through this. I didn't get quite the purple, kind of typical Syrah colors on it, but it is. No, it's almost very not, black, almost. Yeah, this is definitely not as inky, I would say, mm -mm. as your typical uh, Syrah. And it has some really nice notes of like grilled plum, lots of blackberry cured olive um you get a little bit of that like poopy white pepper <laughs> ah what a really appetizing mm -hmm. uh, flavor profile you just presented <laughs> but this is so uh so savory and delicious but it's not su it's very approachable Ciroc I feel like can sometimes be too leathery or too grippy and um this yeah, one's sometimes I can... easy drinking right out of the bottle yeah, Ciroc can taste like ashy sometimes mm -hmm. to me. Almost like, hey, come on, you've all accidentally drank a beer that someone's ashen. Come on. <laughs> and this does have that kind of like grill mark ashy taste to it, but it's it's very well rounded by fruit. I mm. find that a lot of the the Walla Walla wines have this like super concentration of like almost like blackberry juice. They're just so concentrated. Um, Ooh, it is. So yummy. It's yeah, super blackberry. Yeah, grilled meats for sure. Mm -hmm. On the nose, there's almost the slightest hint of like cocoa powder. Yeah, I got like a five spice. Mm, yeah, that was probably from whatever oak it was in, I'm guessing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I tried to go on the Vapiano website and like I found out a little bit about their, um, you know, their, their history as winemakers, but I really didn't get many like notes on like what where like how they treated this specific line um so like i said though it is their bruno line which is <laughs> named after uh was it a minister a a priest okay the uh, father bruno father bruno yeah he was a spiritual leader 
uh, I think at Gonzaga. Okay. So he was like a teacher at Gonzaga University and his he has beautiful paintings and his paintings yes. on the front. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, Father Bruno's paintings are uh, at the winery and they're also on the labels. And somebody I work with directly knows went to Gonzaga and knows who Father Bruno is and told a weird anecdote about it one time and I was like, "Wait, oh. friends of the priest?" <laughs> <laughs> Things I thought you'd never hear a friend say for 2000, Alex. <laughs> Actually, I heard it's uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be the new host of Jeopardy. Who's Aaron Rodgers? He is the uh, oh, yeah, quarterback just... of the Green Bay Packers, but he is like one of those super undercover wicked, wicked smart jocks. Oh, okay, wicked smart He smat actually jack. won Celebrity Jeopardy. Like he, wa- like he mopped wow. the floor with everybody. And he's apparently very uh, disenchanted with his professional athleticism career. And oh, he's him. lobbying hard to be the new host of Jeopardy. That's sweet. I don't think he's... He may not get it. Okay. I mean, the people are, are, are lobbying for LeVar Burton to be uh, a guest host. And maybe mm. he'll, he'll kill it. I mean, the dude hosted Reading Rainbow. Yeah, you're right. Butterfly in the sky. <laughs> I can get twice as high. <laughs> Just take a fucking look. It's in a book. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, this is... This is lovely. I kind of so want food with it. Yeah. I was like just really digging it on its own last night, but that was probably after about tasting three or four other things. <laughs> it's almost got like some, like, this is definitely a black fruit dominated wine, but mm-hmm. I do pick up a little bit of almost like stewed strawberry in there mm. as well. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Lovely. Yeah, like a plum sauce. Kind of like you said, like kind of concentrated. Mm. Yeah, it's it's delicious. All right, all right. Are we ready on. for our next wine? Yes, I am. I do, all right, I people. do declare. I do declare. So we are going to have <clears throat> something now from the Brook and Bull. Yeah, Brook and Bull. So Brook and Bull are two different types of trout, and that is because the name of the winemaker is Ashley Trout. So I am doing another uh, badass female winemaker. Uh, She is a self-taught winemaker. She worked eight years at Raininer. Am I ever saying that right? I think that's close enough. I mean, it's like a German name. Like, let's be (laughs) real. And then she worked uh, eight harvests in Argentina. Yeah. Uh, And then she started Flying Trout Wines and sold that in 2010, but she stayed on as the head winemaker for, for five years. And at Flying Trout, her main focus was on Malbec because mm-hmm. she worked all those harvests in Argentina. And then um, <clears throat> in 2016, um, she founded Vital Wines to address healthcare needs of vineyard workers. Uh, so she owns two She owns two labels. She has the Brook and Bull, and then she has this Vital Wines, and the Vital Wines is 100% nonprofit. So... She's a badass. She's and so cool. what I love about her wines is that she does more single varietal. Mm-hmm. A lot of places in the Walla Walla are doing more Bordeaux styles. So they're doing a mix of Merlot, Cab Sauv, and then using those mixing grapes. Yep. And Petite Bordeaux is usually uh, made as a minor blending grape in uh, Bordeaux mm-hmm. and in Walla Walla. So this is <clears throat> very very purple. Oh wow! <laughs> oh wow! This That's is, purple. This is the most like purple wine I that think is I've inky. ever seen in my life. 
and honestly it smells incredible wow yeah the you brought me back uh, in addition to smack um a wine from her collection that was a 100% Malbec and it was the most unique Malbec I've ever had and I, I actually tuned into like a wine or like a winemaker's conversation with her a couple weeks ago because I just thought her stuff was so interesting and she was like I just like to take a different you know she was like I like to have the grape express itself I'm paraphrasing terribly. She was so so cool and so much more eloquent. Um, but she was kind of like, I like to, to take it in a direction that's not super traditional, but like kind of where it, it kind of wants to go. Mm -hmm. Like, and I was like, that's really, I don't know. She was, she was like, I like it when stuff gets kind of geeky and, you know, true to itself. Yeah, let the wine kind of, you know, do, it, do its thing. Do its thing. <clears throat> Yeah, this one is, um, on the nose, I got a lot of plum, bl like blueberry, yes. like really ripe blueberry, um, some lilac, some black tea. And then uh, yesterday, the palette was very dark chocolate, fresh blueberries, barbecued meat, herbs, um, black pepper. And um, one time when I was drunk camping, we were making s'mores, but we also had leftover steak. So we ended up dipping chocolate, uh, dipping steak in chocolate. And oh. it was really good. <laughs> and it tastes like that. And it tastes like that. <laughs> it smells like a grape popsicle, but not in a gross way. Like just in a super concentrated. Yeah. This is so good. It's really hard to find 100% wow. petite Bordeaux. I can't stress that enough. <laughs> I think oh my God, the tannins. Like, wow. This is probably only like the second or third one I've tried in my life. It's 100%. But the tannins aren't super, like, mm -mm. suck the saliva out of your mouth dry. They're, 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 you can still taste everything through it, but they are very present. Yeah, it's... That's delicious. Yeah, she got to... She, oh, yeah, and my other fact about here, about her here. Yes. She was a wine enthusiast top 40 under 40 in uh, 2018. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 So yeah, there's a lot of really fun, innovative winemaking going on in Walla Walla. Um, there's so many different expressions of the grape, depending on where you're at. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that if you don't really want to go splurge in a big old fancy place like Napa Valley. Walla Walla is a great destination. And yeah, great food. There's a lot of really great restaurants out there. It's, it's on the up and up. There's a really cute uh, patisserie downtown. Just hot tip, hot tip. Just hot tip. Hot tip. <laughs> um, should we have time to rate the wines and do a seven things? Okay, let's pick a favorite, yeah. Let's pick a favorite and do a quick seven things. Cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I I guess I'll go first. Um, picking a favorite, I'm going to go with that Petite Verdot. Holy Excellent. shit. Yeah. That is so, so good. I'm also just a big fan of, of Brook and Bull Wines. I want to go back out there and, and sign up for her wine club. Um yes. So yeah, let's do let's do seven things with the 2018 Brook and Bull Petite Verdot. All right, we're doing it. All right. Oh wait, we're both doing it with Petite Verdot. No, do you want to pick yours and then we'll do? Them? Oh, <laughs> I'm like, how does this work? Like, I thought you never were just, done I this thought before. I was just supposed to start. <laughs> <laughs> um, I you know what? I'm gonna do the Petite Verdot too. Let's just do yeah. that. I think that Cheers works out that. great. Cheers to that. It's so good. All right. 
All right. Adrian. Yes. Seven things you would do while drinking Brook and Bull's Petit Bordeaux. Oh, my goodness. So. Mm. I would get um, one of those, like, collections of lip smackers oh. that, like, come with a chain and you wear them as a necklace. You just pull them off? <laughs> you just pull them off. I'd, um, I'd invest in a collection of lip smackers, yes. Nice one. <laughs> um, I would get some Bisquick and I'd make some blueberry pancakes, but that has to be with Bisquick. Oh, yeah, this yeah. would be a good bis Bisquick pairing, too. <laughs> oh, boy. I would start a salt collection. <laughs> Like Himalayan, Himalayan, rock, black. Yeah, exactly. Uh, pink pepper. Nope, that's a pepper. Uh, <laughs> all the different bacon salt, lemon salts. I don't know. Just so many kinds of salts out there. I'm into your salt collection. Thank you. Uh, Three? You can have some. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Uh, three? Is that three? Yeah, it's three. Okay. Um, what I do. Oh, I'd put on a Sade album. Four? <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm into it. Sweetest taboo, am I right? Um, <laughs> let's see. That's what I do. Uh, I'd, sh I'd, like, get some old school uh, shoe shine polish, and I'd, like, shine, I'd, like, polish my shoes. Okay. And then, I'd, like, at the end, I'd take, like, a secret whiff, because... Sometimes it smells really good, but you don't want too much of it because you don't want to huff it. <laughs> but sometimes it smells really good. Were you an old-timey shoe shine in a past life? <laughs> Just get triggered? <laughs> a little past life regression therapy? Uh, I may have some things to uncover in my past life. Uh, we're going to talk about that later. We are. Um, let's see. What was that? Four or five? That was, that was five. five. Yeah. Definitely five. Um, I would... Go collect driftwood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is totally that. Cheap. Yeah. I mean, she's got some of that, like, really nice, earthy. Mm -hmm. Like, the labeling is just so. Oh, it's beautiful. It's just so classic. Her, her bottles, though, are, like, thick as hell. I'm like, <laughs> do we need this much glass for this? Like, if I'm <laughs> killing somebody with a bottle of yes, wine, it's, it's this gonna one. It's going to be a broken ball. Okay, <laughs> you know what? There you go. Seventh thing. I would. Um, We can't use this against we you. Can't, we can't. I would. I would think about it. <laughs> think about mermaids. No, I'd like put an empty bottle of this behind beside my bed for like oh. it's is like the baseball bat protection. Protection. Cool. There we go. Seven things. <laughs> Not murder free edition. Murder and self defense. <laughs> self defense edition. Uh, seven uh, things. Seven things. All right, Hallie. What about your seven things? Hmm. I would start a multi-level marketing Tommy Bahama uh, <laughs> sales ring. Wow, one. 
You know, I could convince those retirees. Or like outlet, like yeah, but Tommy like Tommy Bahama. But you more, more like you know, hey, you're gonna go, come up to um, you know palm tree level if you sell this many. Oh, like, I Tommy see. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm into that. Yeah. Uh, pyramids. Yeah, one of those. Yeah, multi-level marketing yeah. schemes. One. I would um, <clears throat> go buy some uh, some gigantic uh, tractor wheels and um, <laughs> kick them and be like, "Yep, that feels about right." <laughs> <laughs> we used to have those on um, the playground of yes! my elementary school. Was that a New Mexico thing? Was that a New Mexico? Like, I don't know anybody else that we had that. We played in gigantic. Fucking tires. I don't know what they came from. They were like great to climb on. You could huddle in them during the like recesses where you had those hellish New Mexico winds. You could yes. be blocked off in the wind. Kids would great. pee in them sometimes. <laughs> Homeless people would probably wander into the playground and pee in them sometimes. It was just a little pee cavern. Yeah, they, they were nuts. Um, all right, yeah, New Mexico. That was two. Okay, uh, three. <clears throat> I would. Um, have a Dean Koontzathon, just oh, you know, wow. just read mm -hmm. a bunch of Dean <laughs> I um, would buy a like a denim jumpsuit, yes. wear it once, and then throw it in a pyre. A pyre. A, pyre, a funeral pyre. <laughs> yeah. You'd have a day out, and then a day, a day. Yep, God. A, a funeral pyre. <laughs> I, don't right on. I don't know whose death it is, but that's where I'm burning that the jump jumpsuits. Suit. Yep. Uh, four. Eat a Twix. Delicious. Five. Always a great choice. I uh, frozen or like normal? Mm, oh, it's just normal. Okay. Just a normal. Great. No, I take that cookie Twix. Okay. I mean, there's already a cookie inherently in Twix, but that's for. But that's fun. for another day. Another day. Um, <laughs> that was fun. I would uh, <clears throat> break ground on my new charity wing of my nonprofit hospital. Uh, okay, so what would the charity wing of your nonprofit hospital be dedicated to? What field of medicine? Three, two, one. Uh, rabbit rehabilitation. <laughs> Bunnies! I would be an investor. You could, I would like put, I would give some level of donation and you'd have a bench. Well, I want you to run my charity dinners, of course. Thank you. You're, you're such a good project manager. <laughs> Thank you. You're sick. Uh, and finally, um, you know, I'm just gonna keep going with this rabbit thing. I'm gonna open to, you know, and then I'm gonna open up a giant bunny sanctuary. Also, I will donate to that. As in, like, not large in landmass. As in, like, it would be for giant rabbits. Because <gasps> one just got stolen recently. What? Yeah. For where? I don't know. I was just on the internet the Who other day. Who steals a giant... Shit, what's wrong with people? Dude, somebody stole the world's giantest lobster from the Seaside Aquarium once. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah. I remember watching a really old episode of, like, the original Iron Chef, and they, like, unveiled, you know, the secret ingredient, and it was these, like, 50-year-old lobsters, and I was just like, oh, just let them be. Ooh. It was not a fun... It, it was sad. Bad on you. Very bad. Chef. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, this has been our Walla Walla episode, yes. home of the Hope wine and the onions. Hope you go check it out. We'll go get some onion rings afterwards, or at least uh, you will, and I will just eat the crunchy parts on the outside. <laughs> Bye. Bye.